Welcome to the 299th episode of the Jamie Delaney Plant-Based Wellness Podcast. My name is Jamie Delaney, and I'm your host. I'm a plant-based cardiologist and endurance athlete living in Southwest Florida. Welcome, and thank you for listening. I completed the Zion 50K. Yes, it's in the record book. Nine hours, 14 minutes, and seven seconds. A little longer than what we thought, but, uh, you know, not without a few little hiccups. But before we get to that, talk a little bit about my backyard garden. Everything looks great here in Florida. I've got uh, a little bit of eggplant, three different varieties of peppers, tomatoes, basil, oregano, thyme, watermelons, squash, zucchini, cucumbers, radishes, and some beans going. How about me? All in the dirt. Yeah. I actually ordered some ladybugs from Amazon to help with the aphids. We'll see if that works. I am using same worm tea uh, to also help with some pests and to regenerate my soil. And uh, I've used some compost that we've made out of um, vegetables that we haven't used. So, so far, so good. Uh, hanging in there, so I'm, I'm hoping that goes well. We still have papayas, and uh, mangoes are getting bigger. We have uh, several trees that are fruiting, so it's a, an exciting time here in Florida. And so we left Florida at 2 a.m. on a Friday morning last week and arrived in Salt Lake City so we could take the scenic view down to Zion National Park. And four hours later, we arrived and checked in and got our bibs. Uh, they had a pretty cool, you drive by bib pickup. So you stay in your car and you go and they pick up, you pick up your bib. And the views were absolutely beautiful. Up on top of the mesa, I guess, um, rock formations, all different colors. By the time we got there, there was... Uh, the sun was starting to set a little bit, so all different colors of reds and yellows and oranges. Uh, just, you know, something that you don't see in Florida by any stretch of the imagination. It got cool that night, so we started the race the next morning at 7 a.m. at a temperature of 33 degrees. So things you might not want to do when you're getting ready to do an ultra, you might not want to arrive just the night before and give yourself some time to acclimate from 11 feet above sea level to about 5,000 feet above sea level. You might want to hydrate a little better. You might want to spend a little less time in the car, but you know, life is what it is when you have a day job So, and other family members. So we, uh, we did what we can to make the best of a long weekend. So we flew in Friday, got up Saturday morning to race. Um, pre-race meal was um, a bar, I believe it was a uh, maple waffle and a, and a um, oh no, I take it back, uh, I had a rice pudding, a vegan rice pudding and a banana and we headed off. Other thing you might want to do is if you're going to carry a vest with uh, a lot of water in it uh, and a handheld, you might want to practice with that beforehand but I don't like to run with the vest down here in Florida when it's hot, so I didn't, didn't practice with that either. So I had my vest stuffed with uh, two liters of water and um, maybe a liter of water. can't remember what my um, water bottles each hold. They go on the, each side of the front of the vest and a handheld of about 24 ounces. So it's probably, uh, you know, three 24-ounce bottles, uh, about... Um, 
15 gels, uh, waffle, uh, vegan waffle, maple syrup waffle little thing. It's kind of like a cookie. Um, a couple other bars and a rice pudding. So we started off our, our journey. It was a rolling start, meaning that uh, the 50K started between 7 and 7.30. So anytime you got ready, you can go. There was a half marathon racing as well as a 60K and, I'm sorry, 100K and 100 mile in the 50K group, there were 569 people that towed the line. 21 people did not finish. The slowest time was 12 hours and 4 minutes. And again, my time was 9 hours and 14. So I wasn't last. Um, there were younger people behind me. There were several also older people in front of me. So uh, there was a wide, wide range of, of people. But, you know, uh, I think the oldest person uh, was in their 70s in the men's side. There may have been a 73 or 74-year-old. Um, the oldest woman was a 60-year-old running the 100-mile uh, race. Uh, and there, I think there was a 65-year-old in the 50K group, too. So getting up top, I'm getting up to the top of the age group to participate in these things. But nevertheless, uh, I feel like the younger people. So we started out um, down a road, you know, 5,000 feet above sea level, and then you take off, you turn off of this road into what's called single track, which means that's basically a goat path, enough for one single person to run with, uh, you know, kind of sage bushes uh, on the sides of the road, a little cactus here and there, and different kinds of rocks. There were limestone, hard rocks, there were boulders to climb up and down, there was slate to climb over. There were little rocks and big rocks. Most of the rocks didn't move. Uh, there wasn't a lot of gravel, so it was either dirt or jumping or climbing over rocks. And so it was a step up, kind of a continuous um, S-curve and step up type situation. You know, run a little bit, step up on a couple rocks, step down, run around the curve, step up, step down, step up, step up, step up, step down, run around a curve, and uh, you're looking for these little white uh, I'm sorry, pink flags in the first part of the course to mark the course as you're, you know, transversing. And because it was single track, um, you know, in the beginning, people kind of bunched up a little bit. So you, you know, the, the etiquette of running a trail race is to pull off to let faster people go ahead of you. So you'd hear hoofbeats come up behind you. And when you heard the people, the footsteps um, got a little close, they would like to pass. And, you know, they'd, or they'd say on your left and you'd pull over when you could find a place to get off, you know, usually between the, the brush that were a little sticky, not stepping on a cactus and get over and watch people pass you by and then get back on. So it kind of made you want to run faster so that you wouldn't have to stop because, again, you know, we're starting this race and everybody's really excited. So we probably ran a little bit faster in the beginning than we actually should have because we started just a little after 7. And so there was a bit of that herd of 59, 569 people behind us. So we probably started in the front of the pack as far as the numbers of people starting. And so there was a lot of people that passed us early on. And it kind of made you want to run, you know, like I said, you kind of run faster. Um, so my heart rates got up a little bit higher than it should have. And I think my heart rate was probably a little higher just because of the altitude. And because we were running faster and because you had to watch where you were stepping and you didn't exactly know where you were going, you didn't really take much time to drink, which wasn't a great idea either. So we didn't take much time to eat or drink. So we pretty much got to the first aid station having not drank or ate, eaten much. 
And um, that was about mile nine. And we also did a bathroom break, and there was actually a line for two porta potties. And the aid station was, you know, kind of like a tent in the middle of nowhere. And it was funny. People just kind of liked to hang out. It was like you came back into civilization. You kind of wanted to be around people for a little bit and converse and talk. And um, nobody was in a really big hurry. And it actually took us 26 minutes for the mile that included the aid station. So that wasn't the smartest thing either. But we really kind of needed that break since we'd been kind of pushing it so hard. And it felt good. So then we went on about our our run, and uh, it, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, the aid stations had an electrolyte drink that, you know, was just plain electrolytes no, and water, no sugar or anything. And they had M&Ms and potato chips and cookies and pickles and bananas cut up into little pieces and Coke and ginger ale. Um, I was promised salted potatoes, which I was really looking forward to, and not until the last aid station did they have any salted potatoes. So for the most part, we relied on our own nutrition um, to, you know, get us through. I did have a peanut butter and jelly um, square. I had a couple of Lorna Dune Girl Scout cookies. Um, I had some of the electrolyte drink and didn't really like that. Had banana um, but for the most part, and then I had the potatoes at the end, and I had ginger ale, and I had some Coke. Uh, other than that, I just ate what I what I brought. Um, kind of got the giggles in the beginning of the race because it was so, I mean, every joint in my body got moved during this race. I mean, you know, my ankles went every direction. Um, sometimes I felt like I was going to twist them a little bit. Um, you know, my, you know, your calves are stretched to the max you're reaching up with your hamstrings so you're bending your knee you're extending down with your toes so you're completely you know pointing your toe going down rocks you're using your arms sometimes you just had to use your hands to 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 get up so you're reaching up reaching out for your balance so you used every muscle and that's another thing that's a little bit different you know not that i didn't know going in but it was um a real testament to someone that trains going straight down one road, make a left, go straight down one road, make a left, you know, a right, you know, that runs, I run on pavement and I run straight for the most part. I don't even do any bends here in Florida. You know, I mean, you turn, you know, big turn, but there's, you know, there's no bending of the ankles to, you know, make any sharp turns or anything like we were doing. So muscles got used, joints got used that hadn't been worked out for quite some time, which was great. You know, I kept thinking of Katie Bowman and, um, you know, how she talks about the 33 joints in our feet and how we should use them all. And, you know, I thought this is just really a cool thing that I am getting to use all these different joints and muscles. And it, it was quite fun. It was like being a kid again, jumping up on rocks. When I was little, we used to go to Perry Sound, Ontario, if there's any Canadians out there listening. And... We stayed up on these big rocks and these cottages, and I used to love, you know, running up on these rocks. Well, we spent miles running on similar type rocks and up over and over some crevasses and down over again and on ledges and around. It was quite beautiful to look into the canyon. Um, the weather was perfect. Started out at 33, but not a cloud in the sky. Warmed up quickly. I think it got 80 by the time the race was over for us nine hours later. 
And, um, you know, we met some people along the way and, and talked and, uh, you know, it was, it, it was, it was great, but you didn't have much time, you know, you'd stop and you look and we did a couple photo opportunities where we took some pictures, but for the most part, you were looking where you're going to put your feet, uh, where you're going to step next, looking for the pink ribbons. And then on the back side, after that, um, first eight or 10 miles, we went into a rocky area on a different ridge and there was white dots. So you look for the white dots on the rocks that you were running on and then the pink ribbons. And sometimes, you know, two or three times we kind of had to stop and look to see where we were going. Uh, We didn't miss anything more than, you know, 10 or 15 yards. Michael actually did a great job navigating for everybody. Uh, In our little group, uh, we ended up picking up a four or five people behind us that that had got lost so he was kind of the leader of the pack taking us up and around and over at about mile 15 we actually took a break and sat down on one of those rocks and had another rice pudding and that was probably the smartest thing we did all day long because just sitting down for you know five minutes and having some rice pudding was so regenerating you know it's like when we train for Ironman on the bicycle And, you know, you take a little break and you get off the bike and you have something to eat and you feel like a new person. And so the same thing happened here. You know, we sat down, got up and felt like a new person. Smarter people would have done that more than once. But, you know, we didn't. We were on the clock. Right. So we we kept we kept pushing it. So we uh, moved on. And um, for some reason, the aid station that was supposed to be at mile 22 was, you know, closer to mile 25. And so most everybody around Uh, even that we talked to, ran out of water at about mile 22, thinking that that was it, because it was heating up. And the dust associated with the red dirt on the, you know, from the rocks just kind of coated your mouth a little bit. And so you you really, really started getting thirsty, that and probably the altitude. So I drained uh, all three of my water bottles and um, went probably the last two miles before that aid station without any water so it was nice to actually get to that aid station and get some water and and we kind of stayed there a little bit just to you know drink a little bit of water i think i might have had a coke there uh filled my bottle up you you carry a little silicone cup uh so you don't have any waste because obviously you don't want to carry a bunch of junk out and you want to they try to make the race a zero waste they even had compostable porta potties uh if you haven't used one of those before um, I'll give you a hint. You should have really long legs because it's um, they're they're a little higher than the regular porta potty. So that was a little bit uh, interesting. Um, but anyway, so I had the coke and some water, and uh, you know we headed on on out, and uh, you know twisted and turned and twisted and turned, and, and I didn't know where I was. I mean everything starts to look alike because you you know it's like being you know playing the shell game and you're the shell or you're the you're the nut in the shell that you're just running around in circles around the ridge of this um, big canyon and it kind of starts to look the same. It's beautiful views, there are beautiful cliffs, but in between there's all these rocks. There was also a mountain bike race going on, uh, and so every once in a while you run into these crazy mountain bikers that were riding on these rocks. I couldn't have walk on some of these rocks and jump on them, and they were trying to ride a bike up and down, and we saw a couple spills. Um, we laughed because we thought that the plant-based striders, you know, I have the Facebook group, and if you haven't joined the plant-based striders and you're a wannabe endurance athlete, go over and join that on Facebook group. But the 
chapter here in Port Charlotte. And just about everybody's fallen down on a straight, flat run here in Port Charlotte on the road. And I started giggling. And it's like, you know, if we fall down during, you know, that straight, flat road, what would happen to the plant-based striders if they were out here with me? And, and I was, you know, pretty cautious about what I was doing because, you know, between being narrow and being rocky and steep, um, there wasn't any place to fall that you weren't going to get injured. And I was kind of amazed, I guess, because most of the people were younger, that there weren't any injuries, or at least I didn't see any injuries along the way. I didn't see any, you know, signs of injuries. And I only saw one person in the aid station that they thought might have altitude sickness. But for the most part, um, you know, I, I, I didn't hear of any injuries. But if you would have fallen down, I, I can't see how you could have not got injured there wasn't really place any place to fall that you wouldn't hit your head on the rock or you wouldn't hit something on a rock in my uh, 50k race there were 21 people like I said that didn't finish to give you a, a little bit of a sense of you know the technicality of the race there were 309 people in the 100k race which is 60 uh, plus miles and 92 didn't finish and by the way the 50k which should be 31.1 uh, miles ended up being 33 miles. In the 100-mile race, there were 260 people that started and 97 didn't finish. So, you know, it, it certainly wasn't an easy race um, for anybody. Um, majority people were from out west. And, you know, I'm not making excuses or anything, but we did have the chips stacked against us pretty, pretty good as far as doing something out there. Um, Things that I were was really happy about, one, to finish. Um, I mean, we just had a great time the whole time. The weather was beautiful. You know, we had a great time being outside. We, Like I said, we talked, we laughed. Um, we met people. You know, we, we ran on different terrain. You felt like a kid. So, I mean, no, no regrets as far as what we did. I guess I look back and, you know, I'll talk a little bit about what could I have done better to make it uh, a faster time. Um, but you know, there's, you know, there's only so much you can do when you, when you have a day job and you live at 11, um, feet above sea level on flat roads. But anyway, um, but you know, things that went well, um, my shoes, I wear ultra lone peak shoes. I'm not sponsored, probably never will be, but, um, they were great. I didn't get any blisters. I used exoskin, uh, socks, uh, their toe socks. And, and so I didn't get any blisters on my feet. Um, over the t last couple of podcasts, I've been talking about, you know, trying to pay more attention to my feet and my posture and keeping my weight back and trying to keep my toes spread out. And I really do think that that practice, even on flat roads, helped me not to, you know, curl my toes as much when I get tired. So when I curl my toes, my toenails kind of bounce off the shoe and I end up getting blisters underneath my toenail. So that didn't really happen. I had one, um, you know, that didn't really bother me any. So that was great. Um, and we didn't fall down. And that was, you know, again, it's pretty, pretty amazing with the way the terrain was that we didn't fall down. You know, COVID involves everything anymore. Um, I, I don't know that we'll ever be act back to normal and talk about times we be lived before COVID. Maybe we shouldn't, but 
Um, again, the, the start was a rolling start, um, so there wasn't a lot of milling around. They asked that you had a mask on to start or a buff come up, you know, over your face. But after that, everybody pulled it down. And, of course, you can't get COVID being outside, so that's not a worry. But you have to go through the motions, I suppose. The aid stations were packed. Everybody was happy. Nobody had a mask on. The people working the aid station were making Nutella and jelly sandwiches with their bare hands and throwing out chips. There was kids. There were dirt. There was water, you know, and people grabbing the water tanks and getting their own water and stuff. And, you know, that's what racing's all about. That's what's being outside, sharing microbes with other people, you know, and you're running a race and anybody's running a 50K or 50-mile race, you know, pretty healthy individuals with a good set of microbes, so you might as well grab some and share some. And, you know, I think it was great. You know, so many people have been cooped up for so long to get out in the fresh air and, again, share some microbes with your fellow runners. I, I think that was a, was a really, really, really great, great thing. Like I said, we caught up with some other runners that uh, kind of had made a long turn and, and got to talking to a guy that had a young family, and it was his first ultra, and um, you know, we, we had a great time. We met a, a, a fellow f- uh, from Atlanta that was also struggling, and he was walking. Um, you know, we were on the last five or, well, let's see, the last, uh, what's 25 and 33, so last eight or, eight or nine miles uh, we were coming in, and we were, we were getting pretty tired. You know, we were walking more than we were running. We would try to run where you could run, but when you had to jump up on rocks and things like that, we'd pretty much lost the ability to run and jump. It was just, you know, walking and stepping up and stepping down. But we um, there was one section where you went out along um, kind of like a Jeep path, uh, a roadway that they, you know, took tour, touring Jeeps through, and it's, it's probably three or four miles, you know, on a red dirt road. And we met up with this uh, guy, and he was walking and, and you know, kind of looking pretty, pretty poor. And we had decided that we were going to try to run 30 seconds and then walk a little bit, then run, you know, pretty much 30, 30, run 30, walk 30, run 30, walk 30. And we would just look at a bush and uh, pick a time to go. And when he heard that we were doing that, he said, can I join you? And he's like, you know, what are you doing? It's like, well, we're walk running, just, you know, trying to, you know, add a little bit of speed, you know, coming back into this lax section. And it was kind of funny when we were going out on this section, it seemed like it was all uphill. But when we were coming back on the section, it did not seem like it was all downhill and it wasn't. So it just shows you how different your perspective is, you know, when you're when you're changing directions. But anyway, we would say, well, how many intervals are you going to do like that? And it's like, well, let's, let's pick seven. So we would do seven runs and seven walks. And he's like, okay, you want to do it again? So we say, okay, let's do seven runs and seven walks. And he starts like, you know, he got really enthusiastic about it. He's like, okay, one, you know, and then we run and he's like two. And, and so, and it was like, we did that, I think four times. And we knew that at the end of this road, you made a right and you were at the finish line, but it's, you know, it seemed so much longer going down this road than it did come in the other direction. And finally we saw this woman and she says, you're almost there. You know, you hate when people say that. And he said, you're almost there. And he's like, you gotta, she's like, he's like, really? And she's like, yeah, you got it. It's like, where's the right turn? And she said, it's just a quarter mile up the road. You make a right turn and you're almost at the finish line. It's like, are you sure? You know, please don't lie. And um, sure enough, that was true. We, uh, you know, about a quarter quarter mile up the road and made the right and came into the finish line. And there was a lot of people there. And 
um, you know, people were uh, all happy and congratulating, you know, everyone. And, you know, again, it's so nice to be around strangers that are positive and, you know, everybody cheers for everybody. And we sat down in a tent um, when you cross the finish line and kind of tired, glad to get that vest off. It was, you know, my shoulders were um, tired from, you know, having the vest on that I wasn't used to. And, you know, we were dusty and dirty and people were, of course, you know, got white hair and people were congratulating us like, you know, I can't believe you lived. Um, (laughs) So I don't know, we might have looked worse than we felt, but um, uh, it was, you know, we had had a great time and everybody again was very, very pleasant. Um, So, you know, what what could I have done better? Uh, You know, in retrospect, having done the marathon uh, about four weeks ago, probably wasn't fully recovered, even though we ran that marathon very, very slow. You know, it was still a marathon, and, you know, we're just not used to putting that many miles together uh, on a consistent basis. Um, you know, with COVID, we've just been running. I haven't been biking, haven't been swimming, so it's been a lot of running, and I've been, you know, doing an, a lot of averaging, you know, 50, 65-mile weeks, and I think that i you know, I think I peaked a little early. You know, I think my best 50K would have been the day of the marathon as opposed to the day of the 50K, but that's just how it is. Um, you know, we, we don't train on trails. It's just not easy. I'd like to go out of my house in the morning and run. I don't like to take time to drive any place. I like to be able to take my dogs on their walk and so we train on roads, and you lose a lot of, you know, it's like my ankles didn't do near the things that I did with my ankles and my feet and my knees and quads on, on that race. I mean, it was it was very technical. Um, I, you know, laid awake one night thinking about what I might do. You know, should I, you know, do we really, the only thing that we can do is maybe run more of these and, you know, use them as more vacation. They sure are fun. And, you know, learn to run trails by running trails during races, you know, and maybe pick three or four races throughout the year and, you know, really try to run one hard and maybe just train on the other three. I don't know. You know, I even thought about, you know, what kind of obstacles could you put in your yard or where could you go to, you know, do that kind of hill? I do have a staircase I could put my vest on and put some weight in it and go up and down the stairs. That would probably help a little bit. Plyometrics would be a good um, way to train because you need to be able to jump down, you know, your quad, it was, it's a bit of a quad buster, uh, quadricep muscle buster. If you're not familiar with that, it, you know, because of the down part, you know, so you're bending your ankles and you're jumping down on things as well as pulling up. So, uh, my quads are pretty sore the next day. Um, you know, I didn't have much range of motion after that. Um, we didn't know the course and, that could be good or bad. You know, we didn't know enough to be worried. Um, we also didn't know enough, you know, having practice and something like that would certainly, uh, have been good. Knowing where we were going might've been better. Um, I would have done more of that rice pudding. I think that that really helped us. And like I said before, if we stopped, um, along the trail and had that rice pudding, maybe a little bit more, we, we might've done better and actually stopped less at the aid station where there really wasn't anything good for us to eat. We just stood around drinking water, but, um, you know, um, 
just the way it is, uh, you know, like I said, you know, when you have a day job, you're never going to be the, you know, I'm not, I, I started running when I was 40. Uh, don't have much, you know, golfing. Uh, I golfed at an early age, so didn't prepare me that much for, for trails. Um, certainly we, you know, I didn't come in at the fastest of my age group. It didn't come in at the slowest of my age group. Um, but, you know, I had a great time. Nobody had, I don't think, any much better time than I had. Uh, and it was just so nice. You know, we talked about it on the course. You know, when people go places that are pretend, you know, our Disney World or Disneyland or, you know, fake places, you know, you're really missing out. It was so nice seeing people with their kids out and hiking on different trails. Uh, it's so great to be out. You know, you forgot about the world's trouble when you're out doing a trail race. When you're trying just to find the pink ribbons and white dots and, and look at the beauty around you, you don't think of much else. So mentally relaxing, I mean, it just was such an uplifting uh, experience. Burned over 3,000 calories. I think um, my Garmin said if you looked at floors, it was like 290 floors. Um, so, you know, I think uh, it was a pretty good workout for the day. There was a psychologist, Stanford, uh, and the University of uh there were psychologists, multiple, I say plural, at Stanford and the University of Minnesota that did some research, and the team was led by this lady, Melanie Rudd. And she said, after experiencing awe, we are more likely to help others and are relaxed with life. There is a heightened focus on the present. And, you know, I was reading that uh, on the way back, and it's like, man, truer words were, were never spoken. Um, I just think that, um, again, when you're in a situation um, that people help each other navigate, uh, get food, um, the pleasantness, the relaxed nature, cheering for other people, it's just, I, I can't highly recommend doing an event like this uh, or any endurance event to experience people at their best as opposed to experiencing people that are stressed and you know, I came back, even though my quads were sore, I, I feel regenerated. I, you know, this, I've had this stress. I didn't know that I felt too stressed before I left, but certainly I feel a lot less stressed since I, I came back. Um, and it was just, uh, I can't wait to find another race to try it again. You know, it's like getting on a roller coaster and being really afraid and you can't wait to do it again. Um, still like to do the 50 mile I don't know, you know, when we were talking while we were out there, if you could navigate, you know, it'd take a lot of practice to be able to navigate that trail in the dark and find those little ribbons. Um, and it'd be a little bit eerie if you were by yourself. So I don't know if I have that dark part in me, uh, but we'll see. You never know. I have talked about my Garmin watch and an app called a body battery uh, before. When I had COVID, it went really low for a couple of days and um, kind of stayed there and then gradually came up. Well, after the race, the next day, um, my body battery, my body battery went down to a five at the end of the race and it went up to 11 for a little bit of time in the morning, the day after the race, and then just kind of hung at five the next day. And that's a sign of heart rate variability. And then the next, uh, you know, the next sleep, I crawled up to a body battery of 57, and then I made it back to 100 the next, the next day. But 
you know, I got to kind of giggles over that because, um, yeah, it, it certainly did drain my body battery as far as, um, you know, what we did uh, that day. So, I, you know, I do think there's something, um, the body battery um, with this garment, this garment app and, and the heart rate variability is very, very interesting um, to, to, to look at. So if you do have a Garmin device, you know, kind of follow that. I have some of my members looking at that as far as their training and, you know, what they should do. I'm still sore. Um, it's Wednesday. The race was Saturday. My quads are still a little sore, but nothing, you know, I mean, I know I did something and I'm just walking this week. Um, but, but I can't wait to start running again. I feel regenerated. Um, I wish I could go faster. I'm going to keep training. I think that I can, you know, I, I lost a lot of years early on when I was sitting and, you know, I was laughing again to myself and thinking, you know, when I was in medical school, I spent a lot of time in a chair. You know, I, my mom used to say that I come, you know, come to her house. I, you know, wear out this particular chair because I just sit in it for hours on end reading. And so I, you know, I was building my brain, but uh, I wasn't building my cardiovascular engine. So by the time, you know, I started running at 40, um, you, know, I did, you know, I had an old car that was in the garage for a long time, you know, or a reasonable car that I, you know, a midsize car maybe that I took out and uh, started to train. Um, so, you know, we'll keep, we'll keep pushing this old car and see, see how much I can do. Um, again, you know, it's, it's fun. I can't wait to do it again. I can't wait to try. I think that the movement thing was just, you know, what puts me in more awe than anything to be able to move your body in so many different ways on a race is really a, really a cool thing. Um, it makes me love the trail, you know, just because I guess I just did the trail, but it makes me love the trail maybe almost more than a regular marathon. So what do we eat? Uh, we had some Thai food when uh, we got into um, Appleville uh, around the, the Zion Park that was, was really good. And we ate early in the day, so we just had some fruit in the evening. And I think that was good because, you know, everything had cleared out. We felt really, you know, really fresh the next morning. Um, you know, I talked about what we had on the run. Um, the hotel... Uh, there's not much fruit in Utah, you know, so I didn't have near the fruit I usually do. You know, there was a little blueberry here or there, but, you know, nothing to speak of, banana, apple, um, but not my usual giant bowl of fruit in the morning. So that was a little bit different. Um, didn't probably have the, the amount of greens that I uh, usually had, you know, um, had some, but not the giant amount that, that I do here in, in Florida when I have my big giant salad every day. So that was a little bit different. Uh, we do try to eat Thai food most of the time. So we can get some spring rolls and some veg well, vegetables and tofu is really what we eat for the most part. Um, I think that one of the, you know, the hotel have everything self-served now with COVID, you know, and prepackaged and um, you know, we were able to get some oatmeal, but it was, you know, prepackaged oatmeal. And, uh, you know, again, um, I had brought some bread that was good bread with us, but looking at the hotels, you know, it's, um, it's a little disheartening of what sells. Uh, one of the hotels had, you know, the self-service bar and of course it's DiGiorno pizzas and Haagen-Dazs ice cream and chips and Campbell soup and oatmeal in a little box. And, cereal and bins and white bagels and eggs you know that was pretty much um 
the fare for most of the hotels we were around. And, you know, nobody seemed to be too disappointed with that and seemed to be pretty happy with that. Um, you know, we did manage to find a pretty vegan place that we had like a really good, you know, like I said, wrap with greens and fruit and tofu in it and veggie pizza during, uh, we found, um, you know, in the, in the area. So we, we did manage to get some vegetables, even though it wasn't the amount that we normally get. I heard a flight attendant when I was leaving, um, sitting in the airport and I heard him say that uh, he says I want cheap and fast I want a cheap and fast burger and apparently he had forgot his lunch and he was kind of complaining that you know if he was going to eat at the airport he wanted cheap and fast and he was overweight and I you know I I thought that that you know that's probably not that uncommon that people look at cheap and fast as being a good lunch um, they don't think about the quality of the food that, that they're going to eat. And, you know, that's kind of where we need to, to change our philosophy. Um, it's, it's not about um, cheap and fast. And, and I hate when people say, you know, nothing tastes good or everything good was taken away from me or I can't eat anything good anymore. And, you know, that's, I can't eat any junk food anymore is the way that should be translated. And really, what do you want? You know, you it's hard for me to feel sad for people that um, lose their ability to eat junk food. Um, I think nobody has the ability to eat junk food. But when people say junk food was taken away from them, um, high fat, you know, uh, high cholesterol, high salt food taken away from them, um, Thank God it was taken away from them, saving their life if they've decided to go plant-based and, and not eat that food. There are 40,000 vegetables to choose from. And a variety of, you know, like I said, my garden, you know, I can't wait to see the different colors with the eggplants and the different colored peppers and the tomatoes. Um, once you see that, stuff in a box just doesn't cut it. You know, fresh food trumps you know, any of this brown, high fat, high salt, high sugar stuff in a box, I, I just, you know, greasy, cheesy, I, I just don't follow it at all. Um, so, you know, especially, you're gonna, again, you're going to be outside doing, doing in, in wanting to do to your max event. I would like to be doing these events, you know, as long as I possibly can. I don't see an end in sight. I don't want there to be an end in sight, um, and I'm going to keep training so that I can do that. And part of training means eating and keeping my, you know, health because training, you know, and doing the the muscle work is one thing. But if you don't fuel your body correctly, you can't expect it to go on um, for long periods of time. And I think people that wear out wear out not so much from the use and the poundage as opposed that they can't clear the debris that they accumulate when they run and they pound, you know. So if you're trying to recover on Doritos and beer and French fries, that's not going to clear out inflammation in the body. It's only going to add inflammation. If you're trying to replace or restore your glycogen with Pop-Tarts, you know, that's not the way. You're going to you restore your, your glycogen with Pop-Tarts and you're going to end up having so much more metabolic waste that you have to deal with. Um, so I, I, I think it's really important to, um, you know, again, we're in a time of COVID. Uh, we're in a time where how do you stay healthy? And yeah, I'm, 
you know, plant-based nutrition, whole foods, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, move your body, keep your weight down, keep lean is, is extremely important if you want to live life to the fullest and, and keep moving. So that's the experiment that I'm on. Uh, I'm going to eat the best I possibly can and try to experience as many of these different kinds of races that I can. And um, I look forward to the, to the next race. We don't have a next ultra on the books per se. Um, we have the California International Marathon in December. Uh, they opened that race up. We have a swim run, same place in Texas in November. I would like to do an, another ultra before that, if possible. Probably not fast, but I'd like to do that again. We have signed up for the Treasure Coast Marathon in the spring. Um, there might be a Boston Marathon there in the spring. Well, who knows? If, you know, depends on how things go with qualifying again and um, you know, finding, finding that. But I, uh, I'd almost rather qualify for Boston Marathon than, than, and just to say I did it and then run another trail race because I think that's even uh, more, of, more of a challenge. And it's just the, the beauty of getting out in nature is, is, you know, next to none. So that's my story for the Zion Marathon 50K Ultra, not Marathon. And I hope you um, enjoyed it, took something away. If you have any questions uh, or if you're like, you know, my age group and you want to do something like this, uh, if you have heart disease or diabetes and you say, hey, I think I want to get off the couch and get better and you want some help, go over to drdelaney.com and uh, check our website out. Addie and I would love to help you get into your ultimate um, physical shape with your nutrition and your exercise. We offer a variety of different programs for nutrition and health and uh, training. So uh, email me at jamie at Dr. Delaney uh, if you have any questions, and I look forward to speaking with you again and sharing some of my stories. Thanks for listening.